This is Skipper Albert Awal, the voice of the jungle, broadcasting on the DBC to all points unknown. If you're within the sound of my voice, you're listening to AWOL Airwaves on the DBC. Hello and welcome to the Imagineer Podcast, your unofficial guide to all things Disney. I'm your host, Matthew Krull, and you're listening to episode 93 of the Imagineer podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with former Walt Disney Imagineer, Brian Collins. Brian worked at Walt Disney Imagineering as a show writer, helping to develop the scripts and the sets for many of the attractions you know and love. He helped to plus the scripts for the animation tour and the great movie ride at Disney's Hollywood Studios, back when it was called the Disney MGM Studios. He also contributed to the Albert Awall script for The Jungle Cruise Q and so much more. In this episode, I get to chat with Brian about his experiences at Walt Disney Imagineering, but to make things a little more interesting, rather than go through his timeline chronologically, we solicited a number of questions from Imagineer Podcast listeners. So many of you sent in your questions for this episode, and we asked those questions to Brian, who had some incredible uh, stories that emerged from those discussions, and I am so excited for you all to hear what he has to say about working out Walt Disney Imagineering and some of the fun stories that emerged from our discussion. At the end of the episode, I'll come back and tell you a little bit more about how you can connect with the Imagineer podcast on all your favorite social media channels and how you can help to inspire and create the future of this show. So, grab some headphones, pull up your favorite armchair, and enjoy this episode of the Imagineer Podcast. Attention skippers! If you're looking for some variety and need to log extra time at the wheel, another group of, uh, volunteers is being shanghaied for nighttime excursions down the Congo. These fascinating cruises through total darkness can be both exhilarating and unpredictable. So on the show, of course, as I've mentioned before, I love to get as many Imagineers, present or former, onto the podcast to talk about their years and experiences working at Disney. And although I've had several, not a lot, but uh, a few Imagineers on the show before, I haven't had the chance yet to talk with a show writer. So I'm incredibly excited to welcome Brian Collins to Imagineer Podcast. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hey, it's great to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting and different discussion than I typically have with Imagineers, which um, I think will be really valuable to those listening, um, especially those who aspire to be Imagineers, but even those who are just curious what happens uh, in the day in the life of an Imagineer. Um, before we, we get into what were what amounted to a, a significant number of questions that I had to narrow down from listeners about Imagineering, um, I thought it'd be appropriate to start with uh, a couple of questions, um, starting with when did you first become interested in or aware of Walt Disney Imagineering? Oh my gosh, that is a uh, good question and a um, interesting question 
answer. So I'm gonna you're gonna make me kind of age myself here. No, um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was born uh, in South Florida and grew up in, in the state and lived here all my life. And when I was young, um, and I'll say very young, my parents actually um, at one point had gone come up to Orlando. We were living in South Florida and my parents had come up to Orlando. And when they got back, they uh, told us about this place that was being built here called Disney World. Uh, this was back in 19, probably around 1971. And, um, you know, didn't really know a whole lot about it. I mean, certainly I grew up watching, you know, Walt on the wonderful world of Disney and all of that stuff, but didn't really know much about Walt Disney World, and, and they tried to explain what it was. But they had uh, stopped in Orlando, and they'd gone to the Preview Center. And if you've ever been uh, to Walt Disney World, to, and you know where, like, Hotel Row is, um, yes. where you've got, yeah, all the partner hotels, uh, there's a building there, where which now is the home of the AAU, the American Athletic Union. And that building was actually the Preview Center, for Walt Disney World uh, when the park was being built. And you could go in there and that's where the very first Disney ambassadors were and they would kind of show you around um, different models and photographs and uh, you know tell Walt's story and, and tell you what Walt Disney World was going to be. So, and, and of course, being Disney, they sold merchandise and souvenirs, <laughs> right? Not gonna miss course. that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so my parents went there and they um, brought from there, they brought back a little like souvenir booklet uh, that was like a little color booklet that had all kinds of pictures and stuff in it. And I remember my brother and I would like look through this book and we would see these pictures of all these like really cool people doing like really cool things like, you know, painting, you know, uh, animatronics of the Wicked Witch. Um, or, you know, an elephant uh, being installed in what was to be the Jungle Cruise, you know, stuff like that, these really neat behind-the-scenes pictures. So that was probably my first exposure to Imagineering, and, and certainly it, it captured my attention and captivated me. And it was probably a couple years after that, in 1972, actually, uh, when I took my first trip to Disney. So it was within a year of the park opening, and I've still got pictures from that very first uh, visit, which is really kind of cool. And, you know, what kid doesn't walk into uh, Main Street and see the castle in front of them and look around and go, holy cow, wouldn't it be cool to be like a person that kind of like thinks up this stuff? And, you know, that I, I guess that always kind of stuck with me. At that point, I didn't think, oh, I want to be an Imagineer. I thought it'd be cool to be one. Um, I thought it'd be cool to be an astronaut. You know, <laughs> I, I never made it to the moon, but I got the second one. So that was kind of cool. Um, and yeah, so so um, I guess my exposure to Imagineering goes, goes back a few years. I think it's true for a lot of people too, except for you're talking about aging yourself. I mean, I, I've spoken yeah. with Bob Gurr, who was around yeah. before Imagineering yeah. was even a thing. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, anyone who was born in the after the parks were first created, um, I think have that experience of going to the parks. And if not, at least being fascinated by everything around you, you might not decide to become an Imagineer, but you might, um, you know, just be in awe of 
what yep. the place is and, and how it's built. So how did you turn that, um, this is a pretty big question, but <laughs> how did you turn that, uh, that dream into, into coming to reality? Yeah. Um, a lot of groveling, a lot of money, you know, uh, <laughs> that's usually what it takes. Um, so after I graduated college, my degree was in advertising. Um, I had no idea that there was something called a show writer. Um, no, I, I mean, I, like a lot of people, my idea from engineers were more on the tech, like I was thinking that they're more like the engineering kind of folks. Um, and, and, you know, I, I figured there were like artists and stuff, but um, at, so when I graduated college, my degree was in advertising and I always thought I would be an advertising copywriter. And it just so happened that my first job when I got out of school was working back in Miami for a video production company, but nothing to do with video production at the time when I, when I was hired, because I knew absolutely nothing about video production, but they hired me as a script writer. Um, and eventually I would go out into the field with the producers and the directors, and I learned how to produce and direct myself. And again, to kind of age myself, but if anyone remembers uh, Eastern Airlines, yep. um, who was a big sponsor in the Magic Kingdom, right? If you had mm -hmm. wings, um, Fantastic old attraction there. Um, but I was actually writing and producing the in-flight entertainment program for Eastern Airlines. <laughs> and then Eastern Airlines went bankrupt. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I had a full year of experience under my belt. Um, it, it occurred to me at that point, well, Disney might be kind of a cool place to work. Didn't really go up there with you know, the intent of becoming an Imagineer, but I thought, you know, I've got a whole year of uh, experience as a producer in Miami. It's like, they'll have, you know, the big window overlooking the Magic Kingdom just waiting for me and here are the <laughs> keys. And um, I got up here and was like, not so fast, hotshot. And uh, they, um, basically I got hired in working at the front desk of the Contemporary Resort, uh, checking in guests. And it was a little bit of, obviously you know had to kind of like suck that up because i'm thinking you know here i am with my degree and my experience i've been working and, and i'm you know and and i don't mean that sound like there's anything wrong with with working at the front desk it it was actually turned out to be a fantastic job um not only was it a bunch of fun um but that's really where i kind of cut my teeth on disney culture and learned about disney guest service and that's where i got my training in um, how to deliver wonderful guest experiences and really kind of by osmosis kind of learned about how Disney creates themed environments and experiences and things like that. So it turned out to be a really good experience for me looking back. Um, I, I always, I, I do a lot of teaching now and, and lectures and stuff and there's a quote that Steve Job once, uh, he, he gave a very famous address at Stanford University commencement address. And one of the things he said is that you can never connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So true. And that's exactly, you know, how, how, how it is now when I look back on my career. Working at the front desk turned out to actually be one of the best things for me. And it was... For me, I happened to be in the right place at the right time because it was only about three or four months uh, or so before the Disney MGM Studios, now Hollywood Studios, but 
to me, it's always going to be museum <laughs> studios it's um, a lot of before people. they opened up. Yeah. And, um, so within about, uh, you know, two or three months, I was actually able to get out from behind the front desk of the contemporary and start working, um, in, in some other areas. I actually, back then the, the studio was actually a real working studio and there was a, a fair amount of production going on. Um, I mean, you had, you know, Britney Spears running around as one of the original Musketeers and stuff. Right. It's kind of cool. Um, so I, I actually first started doing like some production work at the studios as a production assistant. And from there, just kind of did a bunch of internal networking and worked my way over to cast communications where I wrote stories for eyes and ears, which is the company paper. Um, I produced a couple of internal like training videos. I also uh, worked uh, with the marketing department and they brought me over to work doing these huge press events when they were opening things like star tours or um, splash mountain or other things like that. Uh, big resorts. And um, I would, work kind of like as a Disney liaison when press crews would come in, I would make sure that they had their schedule uh, created. They got the interviews they wanted to get all that kind of um, production assistant kind of stuff. And um, I kind of was bouncing around kind of like a Disney gypsy for uh, of several months actually. And eventually uh, I, if I remember, I mean, I, at the time while, while I was doing this, I was like writing um, letters to Imagineering saying, you know, can I maybe get in and everything and got a couple of rejections. I actually at one point remember um, had gotten the phone call saying, okay, we want to bring you out here and interview you to California. And um, like a week before I was supposed to go out there, they said, oh no, sorry, you know. <laughs> and um, so, uh, I actually did something that was really uh, the act of a desperate man, maybe. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't recommend this to, to other people, but I actually went out and I bought a set of the Mickey Mouse ears, you know, the hat. Right. And I ripped off one of those ears and I stuck it in an envelope and I made a little ransom note. And I actually cut the little letters out, individual <laughs> letters, you know, and pasted them on. And it said something like, I'm holding... Uh, corporate symbol is hostage, want to be an Imagineer, willing to negotiate. And then it had my name <laughs> and phone number and I sent it out. And uh, it either scared the crap out of them or uh, they, they, they got a kick out of it. I like to think it was the latter. Probably. Um, but it, it wasn't shortly after that that um, I was put in touch with one of the creative directors um, uh, here in uh, Florida at the time. WDI didn't have a permanent presence. They were still working on the project trailers on the back lot of the studios. Um, but they were well on their way to becoming at that point, a uh, stronger presence here on the East coast. Um, and, and he gave me a test assignment to uh, rewrite this spiel for at the time when they had the uh, animation studio. And, and you could go in and tour and see the artists and the animators working behind the big glass windows. So they had some problems. He, he asked me to kind of see what I could do with that script. And um, I guess he liked it because he used it. And that was the very first script as an Imagineer I ever wrote. And, uh, you know, he brought me on. And uh, it was a piece of cake. 
easy. <laughs> no, I think your journey is a little more typical than what most people think. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there are, um, and I know there are a lot of people who think you go to school, you apply for an Imagineer, you become an Imagineer. But there is a lot of failure. There's a lot of um, or rejection more specifically. Um, yeah. There's <clears throat> definitely a, an atypical path to get there. And I think it's really, to your point, very valuable to have that park or resort experience working directly with guests. Um, yeah. You know, even Tony Baxter, before he designed Big Thunder Mountain right. Railroad, he was scooping ice cream on Main Street. And yeah, it's, sure it, it, ta- it takes that, um, you get the insights that you wouldn't have otherwise, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, working, working directly as a cast member, yeah. which uh, I can certainly appreciate. Yeah, Marty Sklar, you know, who who's a Disney legend and went on to become, you know, president of, of Disney Imagineering, began uh, very much like I did in corporate communications. So, yeah, yeah. that's right. Eyes and ears. I, I remember reading as a cast member. It was uh, yeah. I think they brought it mostly digital by the time I <laughs> I came around, but they still had the and I think they still do have the the paper version the backstage, yeah. um, the print version, I should say. So. There were, as I said, a, a lot of questions sent in from listeners, and I'll ask as as many as I can. I think those will okay. lend to some of the other, uh, perhaps some other stories from a, your time in Imagineering. Um, okay. Talked a little bit about education, so I'm going to skip to one from Elizabeth Duggan, who asks, what project was your favorite and why? What project was my favorite? So... Um, there were a lot of like really small projects that I did that were really fun. I never saw the light of day, but I would say the one project that probably has stayed with me all these years has been my work in the great movie ride. Mm-hmm. Um, I was asked to go in. This was a couple years after it opened up and it was uh, really kind of surreal for me because um, I actually, the way I got out, I'm going to kind of back up a little bit. Yeah, um, go ahead. But the way I got out from behind the front desk of the Contemporary, um, the very first time I did that, I actually was going to, a, they were doing a soft opening of the great movie ride for cast members and kind of testing it out. So I was standing in line there, and I was uh, chatting with uh, the guy who, who was next to me. Uh, he was probably about my age. And we were talking, we just kind of hit things off. And... and as it turned out, he was a full-time, there were, I think, three or four full-time production assistants at the studios. So I said, oh, I'll bring you over and, you know, we'll get you, you know, working out here. And um, and, and then, you know, we, we went and we wrote the great movie ride, you know, and test wrote it. And then two years later, here I am being asked to, like, plus the attraction. I'm like, wow, it was, it was a very surreal assignment to get. Um, even though at that time I'd been working as an Imagineer for a couple of years. But anyway, um, yeah, so one of the things that they had issues with was the uh, scripting when either the gangster character or the bandit character would take over the, the, the ride. Um, so I had worked on some of the staging and blocking and helping to improve the show and, and the sight lines for the guests and a lot of stuff you would never even really think about. Um, and then also kind of plus some of the scripting in some of the different scenes. So I would say that's probably the one that um, sticks with me. And yes, it was very tough uh, <laughs> when it closed. And, and it was tough for me to go on Mickey and Minnie's uh, Runaway Railway the very first time. But but I, I will say they did a, a smash-up job with that. And, and it's a, a great attraction. But I do miss a great movie ride. 
Yeah, I'll, I mean, yeah. I think all of us, all of us do who have been on the great movie ride. It's um, it's hard to see old attractions we love go. Um, are there? You might yeah. not remember. Are there any any particular lines from the great movie ride we would recognize that you uh, helped to coin? Oh gosh, well, like at the very end, like the exit spiel. Um, originally, it was just you know, thanks for visiting us, grab your belongings, and you know, thanks for coming. And I rewrote that so it was kind of like an Oscar not speech uh, uh, speech that the tour <laughs> right. guy gave me he's like you know and now we have one more scene left everybody you know please uh grab your bags and and don't forget the thunderous applause for your tour guide and um yeah so it's going back a few years but but that was a lot of fun i i remember i mean obviously yeah. I, i've been on the ride many times i remember that very well that definitely makes it a different ending from other attractions very yeah. very on story to yeah. to have that um and uh it's it's great because in it, the unload and the load area are the same place so yes. those loading in you hear thunderous applause from those unloading and they're like right. this is a great attraction <laughs> right. right exactly <laughs> it's kind of um, like warming them up for uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get on. exactly. Um, oh, this is a good one from uh, Misha, I think is her name. How many iterations of an idea do you typically go through from concept to final uh, version? Well, that's a good question, too. Um, so it kind of depends. Um, the short answer is typically several. <laughs> um, because, and especially... You know, in, in my case, I was kind of a, a junior copywriter at, at the time, a show writer um, at the time. And um, I'll, let me also say, you know, when when we talk about show writing, um, it's not just about writing shows. It's writing for the Disney show as a whole. So it could be plaques. It could be, um, you know, operational spiels. It could be all kinds of different things, signs. I actually had to do family-friendly graffiti one time. Uh, for, <laughs> Where was uh, that? Donna. That was actually on the back lot when they still had a back lot um, yeah. at the studios, and they had they had the big New York Street. Yes. And um, they had put up some barricades. Uh, their construction, oh, yeah. real construction barricades, uh, because they were uh, rehabbing something. And of course, you can't just have empty, plain barricades in the middle of a Disney theme park. Of course. Um, so my boss came to me one day and he said, you know, can you write some family-friendly graffiti? That's like <laughs> one of my first assignments. And I'm like, what the heck is He's like, you figure out. <laughs> so, so that's what I did. Um, but, um, and, and that, you know, even something like that, you know, took probably three, four, five times to kind of go through the great movie ride. Certainly took many more than that because, you know, we would um, either write, be writing. I, I was working primarily with another uh, uh, person whose background was more in staging in theatrics, which was interesting because I actually had a background in directing in, in that as well. I had directed uh, community theater and certainly my production background as a video producer. Um, so it, it was a really great partnership. And there was a lot of tweaking we were doing with um, like placement of where the gangster, the bandit would stand when they were doing something or when they were delivering a line. Another thing that was like really important was like the hand position with the gun. When, when the great movie ride first opened up, um, 
the way that the story played out is like the gangster would come out and he would like hijack the car. And he, as he was hijacking uh, the ride vehicle, the tour guide uh, would, um, uh, you know, say, hey, what are you doing? And, and try and stop him and everything. And the gangster actually shot the tour guide. And the tour guide's costume had a ripaway pocket with a ripaway pocket with Velcro. So the, and there was a, a little blood splat under that. So they would rip it off with and there'd be this blood splat and they'd do this huge dramatic comical over the top death and fall over a, a railing, which you know was was fine. It probably sounded like a good idea at the time, but then they realized that probably for young kids and stuff probably yeah. isn't a good idea for the gangster to be shooting the tour guide. So that was one of the things that we had to like do. And um, whenever there, the gun was being fired, um, we had to figure out and, and put very specific directions in the script where the gun is placed or how to hold it. So it was never pointed in the direction of the guests. It was never pointed in the direction of the tour guide. Um, and, also with like, you know, um, the, the plusing the script with like new jokes or, or not even jokes, but, you know, descriptive narrative stuff that we would say, um, that it was really kind of fun because, you know, we would make our changes and, and then a lot of times I would, you know, take my name badge off and go on the ride with the rest of the guests and watch it and sit there with them and ride through. So you never know. Yeah. Um, but but I would, you know, watch and kind of see their reactions and, and it would give me a chance to check out the sight lines to make sure that it was giving a good show and all that kind of stuff. So um, that was one that took several, several uh, iterations to get it right. Makes sense. It depends on uh, the complexity and and. Um certainly i could see things in general taking taking several rounds it's usually yeah. how that goes yeah. um you brought up a good segue into my next question which is talking about the various not just um entry points but disciplines at imagineering yeah. um this, this particular question asks about an education path that you can follow to become an imagineer wow. which i think is is broad, but maybe that lends itself into the different areas of, uh, of Walt Disney Imagineering. Cause I think it's yeah. more extensive than most people realize. You know, I think, um, for most careers, there's probably some sort of a match in Imagineering, <laughs> uh, you know, in, unless you're talking about like biological sciences or something like that. But if, if you're talking about like STEM careers, for example, um, or artistic careers like theater design. Um, I mean, you know, I worked very closely with show set designers, which are basically like theatrical designers that design the environments to make you feel like you're in a, uh, uh, you know, where, where, wherever you, you need to be, whatever environment it is. Um, there are, there are the engineers, you know, that do all that stuff. There are, uh, um, I can't remember the are they urban engineers who um, look at things like traffic flow through the parks and the attractions and when a new ride is being designed, how many capacity loads and, and that kind of stuff. Um, so there are all kinds of really different paths. And, you know, what I tell people is just, um, 
you know, find a path that makes you happy and that you love to do. I mean, I always love to write. For me, I could write a term paper in high school or college the night before it was due and get an A on it. You know, it was just something that came easy to me. Um, other people can do math, you know. I mean, I, I can't do math. So uh, just find something that you love. And, and there's the old saying, if, if you find a job you love, you're never going to work a day in your, in, in your life. And um, I, I believe that to be true. And, and one thing about Imagineers is that, you know, working with such amazing, talented people was probably one of the best things of the, of the job. Um, everyone was really just happy to be there, happy to be doing their job. Um, there are a lot of people that I've known who haven't necessarily um, come to work for Disney as an Imagineer, but they they start in other areas and they're able to make it in. So, so you know, there are those opportunities to kind of work from within. Um, every year they do the Imaginations uh, Contest, which um, is sponsored by WDI. And basically, if you're at a college, you can put together a team of, I think it's five or six or seven people, and they give you a, they give everyone, um, they put a theme out there, to, a problem to solve. And uh, you put your team together, and if you make it to the finals, I think they fly like the top four or five teams out there, six teams out there. And I think the winning team, um, those people actually get offered internships with Imagineering. So there's certainly a lot of different paths. Um, but at the end of the day, um, if you try and like force it or force your way in, you know, it's not going to work. You really got to be love what you do. I mean, they, they look for people who are, not only good at what they do, but exceptional at what they do, and not only exceptional at what they do, but can bring something a little bit different. And, you know, in my case, I could write anything from poetry to um, technical jargon to whatever. Um, I, you know, the my, my uh, boss, former boss that hired me out there, he had a, a fantastic sense of humor and loved a good pun just like me. <laughs> so, you know, and, and uh, I don't know if the mouse here, like I said, had anything to do with it or not, <laughs> but, you know, quirky isn't always bad. So it's true. Um, that was kind of a long answer. And I, I don't know if it even really answered it, but no, it's a good answer. It definitely is something that I think is true. Um, you know, you have to follow what you're passionate about. And it's the idea of, look, you know, you connect the dots looking backwards, not looking forward. So if you follow, yeah. essentially following your heart is going to lead you to um, ultimately where you're meant to be. But uh, even at Imagineering, there's just so many different disciplines yeah. you can follow. Uh, you talked about puns. So I'm going to actually ask another question because I know <laughs> one of the... Um, attractions that you contributed to um in some way is the uh albert awal script for jungle cruise um yeah. can you talk a little yeah. bit about that that's one of my from a script writing perspective that's one of my favorite wow. scripts um yeah so the jungle cruise cue line if i remember that was like if not the first certainly one of the first really immersive um cue lines that Imagineering ever created. Now it's, you know, kind of 
expected. You know, it's very common. <laughs> yeah. But back then, um, you know, I mean, the Jungle Cruise queue was just, you know, stanchions and ropes, you know, and, and that was it. And it was hot and uh, outdoors and everything. So um, they gave it to us to kind of, you know, rethink that area. And um, part of it, you know, when, when Imagineers are telling a story, um, we have so many tools to do that with, whether it's vis whether it's visually or um, whether it's with um, smells or whether it's with lights or, um, in my case, with scripting. And so one of the things that we did was we uh, created, you know, this wonderful jungle outpost, if you will, in the queue area. And um, over the loudspeakers, when you're standing there, instead of music being piped it, well, they have like this, like, it reminds me of the movie, The Shining for some reason, but like 1930s. <laughs> I think there's a song rate. in the queue that is the same as the one in The yeah, Shining actually. It might it's, be. It's very, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but this all like, you know, 1920s, 30s, 40s kind of music. And it's purposely kind of nondescript like that. Um, and then every so often, uh, the voice of the jungle pipes in Albert Awal. Um, pipes in and, and he'll make like funny announcements or give like little news briefs and stuff like that. So yeah, that was one of the things I had a lot of fun with was writing um, stuff like that. And, and that's a really good example of um, where a lot of the stuff we do as Imagineers never sees, does see the, the light of day. Um, I mean, there was so much stuff that I wrote um, and it's kind of hard for me to remember uh, what did make it and what didn't make it because I think they've updated and, and revised Albert A. Waller over the years. But every once in a while, I'll be out there and I'll, I'll hear one of my old jokes and I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Yeah, there. it's definitely, um, it, it, it's, you're right, the stand, the, the, sort of the minimal entry point for queues now is sort of the Jungle Cruise queue, but it's, <clears throat> the, the lines in the queue are just so... Um, a lot of times they'll make me laugh or chuckle. They're just yeah. They're hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you something too, that, um, that, that particular cue has got a little bit of a special place in my heart because, um, when we started the project, I remember, uh, the, the show set designer, uh, came around who, who was in charge of getting a lot of the props and stuff. Uh, to put out there, she came around the office. She said, you know, if you guys have anything at home that you think might be kind of cool to put in there, bring it in and, you know, we'll try and get it in the queue. And um, I remember at the time my dad smoked pipes and I remember he had this really cool collection of like, he, he had stopped smoking by that point, but he still had all these really cool old pipes. So I stole maybe, you know, six or eight of like the coolest looking ones I could. Um, since I sold the game to me. Um, and, and somewhere in there, um, you know, are, are my dad's pipes, which is kind of nice because he's passed probably about four years now. Um, and it's, you know, just kind of a little heartwarming touch to know that, you know, there's a little bit of him out there uh, in, in the queue for me. So that is amazing. I don't think many people can say that. Um, there's not many people who have their own personal artifacts or family family <laughs> memories in uh, oh memories, yes, but family relics in uh, yeah. in the parks. Um, this is a little bit more of a I guess conceptual how to question. Um, 
Ellie asks, how do you get what's in your mind into reality? Think oh my God, Ellie, Marty you don't want to go there. Yeah, so I think, I think it was Marty <laughs> Scott who said a piece of paper can be the, either the most exciting or the most terrifying thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that that's actually a more common question than, than you would think. You know, people ask me quite a bit, you know, how do you think up this stuff? And, you know, gosh, you know, what can I say? I was born in the 60s. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just leave it at that. Um, you know, it, it comes down to, I think, understanding the story that's got to be told. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, I probably sound like I'm repeating myself, um, but whenever you talk to Imagineers, you probably hear us talk about the importance of story. And it's it's not just something we say. I mean, it's it's really kind of gospel to us, um, in the sense that the story really kind of um, serves as our blueprint um, from everything from the uh, design, the exterior and interior design, to the lighting, to the uh, scripting, right? Um, to the lettering, to the prop, to everything, you know. So story kind of like guides everything that we do with the attraction. And, and that's why that's one of the very first things that's created before um, and probably some of the most lengthiest time spent on developing whatever it is. And it can be a story for, like I said, for an entire attraction. It can be a story for just like a small, you know, um, display that's being put out there. Um, but I, I think by understanding and having good understanding of that, um, that's kind of where, where it always began for me. Um, I, I want to know, you know, what's, what, what, what are we trying to tell? And it's not what am I trying to tell, but what are we, you know, collectively trying to tell for a story and, then, you know, how can I take that and just kind of make it fun for the guests, you know, make it make it a great experience for the guests. If, if you know, I, people have asked me before, you know, did I ever get like overwhelmed thinking about the, the nature of like what I was writing that like millions of people are going to be seeing. And, and I never really kind of worried about that, to be honest. You know, I, I just, um, I guess, I had enough self-confidence in my abilities and in the team I was with and, you know, that they wouldn't let me go too far astray. I mean, believe me, there were plenty of crazy ideas and, and oh my gosh, so, so, just some of the fun conversations, which I couldn't even repeat were just <laughs> unbelievable, but you know, just like a bunch of kids playing and um, you know, so, so I think to just have that kind of creative freedom um, and allow your mind to kind of, you know, go wherever. Um, and then, you know, have the discipline to bring you back and tell that story. Um, that's, that's kind of how I did it. That's, it makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to definitely almost talk about the process that you use without stopping and really thinking about it. Um, deeply it's, it's, uh, it's, it's complicated. Like even if I were to think about how, how I were to come up with ideas for podcast episodes. It's right. You know, there's a general sense of what I'd be interested in, in 
can talking about or conveying um, all around the theme of Disney, but it's it's difficult to uh, to place exactly how everything comes to to light. Um, the so another another good question is around. Um, you talk a little bit about uh, like the challenging parts of the job, but um, sure. you know what would you consider to be the most challenging part of, uh, or a couple of the most challenging parts of actually bringing that idea into reality? Uh, that's another question that um, I get, and I, and I, you know, you would think by now I, I have a like a answer ready to go for that but it's always a hard question to answer because i never i don't ever remember feeling like really overly challenged um by any assignment i was ever given um and again i think that just comes back to the culture and and, um you know the people and all of that stuff um you know, one one thing, probably I think that if there's one thing that's that was tough, and, and I think it's for any creative person in any creative field, it's when you think you've got a great idea, but it's not, you know, accepted or it doesn't go through or whatever. And, you know, they always tell you don't fall in love with, with your own ideas and stuff because you never know. Yeah. Um, I think Jessica Rabbit said something like that. Um, <laughs> but... You know, that there were a couple of like really fun like little projects and stuff I had worked on that I thought were like so much fun and, and would have been great. Um, and one of them was I remember I had put together this, um, uh, I thought it'd be great to come up with like this soundtrack for Pirates of the Caribbean. So when you're in line going through the castle and, you know, the dungeons and stuff on the way uh, to get onto your boat, there would be audio coming in and it would be like this pirate taskmaster saying, all right, everybody, keep it moving. I maybe you're going to be <laughs> swinging from the yard tonight if you don't get down it, you know, and, and have all these sound effects and stuff. Yeah. I, I loved it. And uh, for whatever reason, it just, you know, never happened. So uh, that's probably, for me, was maybe the toughest part, you know, a little bit disappointing. But... I think that's a great answer. I think as a creative, that is tough to to have an idea. You think it's an amazing idea and then you share it and it's not as well received as you were hoping. And so yeah. it doesn't come to be. But Or sometimes they aren't, you know, really well received, but there are just things that get in the way from making them happen. And, and you know, that's to be expected too. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I could see how, you know, you, you were saying earlier that it's difficult to come up with uh, an answer for this other than the creative obstacles for what yeah. might be the most challenging. But I think the key insight there, which you mentioned, is the fact that the teamwork or the, the, the camaraderie and the support at Imagineering makes it more, I guess, more possible or, or less likely to encounter challenges. Because if you do encounter a challenge or somebody to rely on? I guess, was that something that, that came about frequently? Um, I mean, not honestly, not that I remember. I mean, we, we were, we were, you know, kind of a smaller group here. Right. Um, we were all pretty close. Um, you know, we kind of, everybody, 
definitely respected everyone else's talents in, in all of that and um, certainly let the appropriate people take the lead where, where they should be taking the lead and that was given back. So when it came to script writing, I mean, certainly everything I wrote had to be passed by my, my manager. Um, but beyond that, um, for the most part, um, I mean, it, it was, it was a pretty well old machine, I would say. Absolutely. Um, a few more questions. Uh, Amy asks, what was the best part of your job? The best part? Um, Going on the flip side, rather than the most complicated, what, what was the yeah. best part of your job? You know, it's, it's uh, I sound like a broken record, but I, I, I miss the people, you know I mean? Yeah. And, and just kind of, you know, I mean, I think a lot of Imagineers are like Disney nerds too. I mean, People ask me, do I still, you know, do, do I get tired after all these years, you know, going into the parks? I mean, you know, I give tours and, and you know, do lectures from the parks and, and things like that. And I got to tell you, you know, I, 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 to this day, I can go into a Disney park on any given day and, and it's not old for me, which amazes me sometimes. But, you know, when you're working as an Imagineer and you get to kind of see some of this really cool behind the scenes stuff. That was always the best part for me. I remember um, at one point, uh, shortly after I was hired, they, they brought me out to Glendale uh, to the headquarters, 1401 Flower. And um, it was at the time they, they were going uh, really hard and heavy on preparing for um, Euro Disney, right? Now right. Disneyland Paris, I think. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it will always be Euro Disney. <laughs> and um, I remember, you know, when I was out there just walking around thinking, I, I can't, you know, it's like pinch me kind of thing. Because, I, I mean, I remember watching them painting the uh, stretch room portraits for Phantom Manor yeah. by hand, you know, and some guy up on the ladder and, you know, doing that. And I remember... Um, watching them program one of the sword fighting audio animatronics uh, for, for uh, pirates out there. Um, you know, I, just on and on, you know, I could go on um, with um, just the amazing stuff that you would be exposed to and see. And, and then to actually kind of be a part of it was just so cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, I totally get that. I, I, I can't even tell you how many times I've driven around the Kilimanjaro Safari track as a cast member. And right. I'd st it's still one of my favorite attractions. It, I think it gave me even a greater appreciation for the attraction having worked there. And, um, yeah. you know, to your point, all the, the backstage insights and the yeah. things that the Imagineers had to do to bring it to life. And then what the cast have to do every morning <laughs> to bring it yeah. to life. And, yeah. uh, it's, uh, it never, it definitely never gets old. Yeah. Um, to just go back to uh, just have a few more questions. One sure. is about uh, just going back to college only because I know that you you know you're an educator too. So aside yeah. from the the academic side of it, and also the imaginations competition, which I think is great advice. Um, 
James asks, James, I know wants to be Imagineer. I'm convinced yeah. that in 20 years, I'm going to be interviewing him. Um, <laughs> what, he wants to know, um, what is the best way in terms of, to prepare for Imagineering in college in terms of activities or things outside of, uh, outside of the classroom? Um, I, you know, I think, I, I think they do look for people who are kind of, um, well-rounded and have interesting, um, hobbies and, and things like that. Um, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you got to do the work, you know, and, and you got to learn your craft and you got to be very good at your craft. Um, but beyond that, especially, I, and I don't know, James, if, if you're on the creative side or the engineering side, but either way, um, uh, you know, I think they look for people who kind of have that worldly kind of broad experience. And if you've, um, you know, if, if you're on a sports team and you've, you know, been the captain, you know, that shows leadership. If you've been in, you know, uh, e even before college, you know, like Boy Scouts or, or something like that, you know, made it the Eagle Scout, you know, I mean, that's, that says something. Um, if um, you're able to, um, you know, make sculptures out of matchsticks, you know, and, and you've got some kind of like really cool, unique little talent, all those kinds of, I keep using the word quirky, uh, but all those kind of like little quirky things, um, I, I, I think they, you know, just kind of show people that there's a different side of you. Um, being able to communicate, being able to work well with others is super important. You know, being, I, nobody works on their own. Um, I mean, you're, you know, Imagineering, it's, I'll say, keep saying it, but, you know, it's all, you're typically part of a big team and, and you've got to be able to um, work with other people to uh, take, um, their advice, take their um, pros and cons, you know, for good or bad, and, and kind of adapt and work with it and be flexible. So um, I think, you know, there's so many things that you can do outside of school to kind of show it. But, you know, if you're at home, just kind of sitting there playing your, uh, you know, playing Fortnite, um, you know, 24-7, you know, I, th I think they want to see that you understand there's a little bit more to life than that. Yeah, I've, uh, for sure. And I think those ideas of quirky are, are more like um, passions there. <laughs> things you love to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like one of the things I always like to do is like I'll take people into um, in Epcot, into the American Adventure. And in the lobby, uh, when you first walk in uh, surrounding the rotunda on the walls, there are a bunch of beautiful paintings on the walls. And all those paintings um, were done by um, different Imagineers, different artists. And I always think that that's really kind of cool because, you know, most people, when they think of Disney artists or Imagineering artists, they think of people like um, uh, Mark Davis, for example, or, um, uh, you know, um, Herbie Ryman, you know, people like that who um, spent their life doing Disney paintings and, and Disney conceptual art and stuff like that. But then you look at these paintings around the wall, the American adventure, and it's like fine art. I mean, it's like going into a museum and you realize that 
you know, these are people who are just, you know, crazy talented. Um, I, I've got a uh, friend on LinkedIn, Eddie Martinez, who's a former Imagineer that worked on Epcot and worked on Mexico um, and, and did a lot of the, uh, um, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the River de la Tiempo, I think, River of Time. Yes. Um, now it's Grand Fiesta Tour, but it was Grand El Rio Fiesta del Tour, Tiempo. But, but, yeah. But back then, yeah. And, um, but now, um, he lives in Colorado and has got a, uh, studio in his beautiful house and, um, is always posting these amazing pictures and illustrations that he's doing. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of, a lot of us have these, you know, just amazing talents outside of, of work and, and, and that's important. Yeah, I you know I think a lot of people even think when they look at those paintings if they notice them in because right. <laughs> a lot of people pass right by them in the rotunda right. that they are right. just archived from a famous Wherever. artist yeah. you know <laughs> it's yeah it's it's all Imagineers yeah um, you brought up and I want to ask about your the tours that you do because I find yeah. that one that's super interesting and two um, you know in addition to talking about it are there any uh, well, I'm sure you have a lot of fun facts. What are some of your favorite facts that not a lot of people know? I don't want to give everything away because I want people to do your tour, but uh, a couple um, of your favorites. There's a lot of like, really cool stuff in Liberty Square that I'd like to point out in there. Um, you know, that's historically accurate, like crooked uh, um, window shutters and toys in the windows and things like that. Um, so, so that's always kind of fun to point out. Um, there's, oh gosh, there's like so much in Epcot. Um, I'll spend a lot of time kind of walking the, uh, world showcase at one point, one of the jobs that I never, uh, that never saw the light of day. Um, but at one point I was asked to write a series of plaques, a plaque for each of the world showcases that would have like descriptive information about that particular country about the design and inspiration for the buildings maybe uh, i think each one of them had like a recipe from that country just just a little informative plaque so i learned a lot uh, about you know just for researching that project so there's a lot of really cool stuff i like to point out there and also like some little easter eggs um you know over at like mission space uh there's some really cool easter eggs that i like to point out um uh, I won't give them all away, but um, yeah, I do know about the Horizons logo. I've talked about that one before in the middle of the the centrifuge yeah. in the queue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do miss Horizons. I do too. It's it was definitely <laughs> when people ask my favorite uh, attraction at Epcot, I'm like, well, what what time period are we talking about? Because overall, it's Horizons, right. but it's yeah. Um, of course, modern times, I have I have some favorites there too, but yeah. Um. Last question from my my listeners, because I think this lends itself to talking about uh, the other work that you do. And um, this comes from Spencer, who wants to know, what are similar jobs to Imagineering that yeah. allow for the same type of like immersive yeah. world building? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I'm glad he asked it. Um, because I always tell people... Um, Imagineering is kind of like the brand name, right? That everyone but kind of knows about, and, and um, you know, it's it's definitely you know got that aura to it, um, especially now since the um, Imagineering story has been on Disney Plus 
yeah. you know, getting a lot of attention and stuff. But that being said, um, there are amazing, amazing companies all over the country, um, if not around the world, that there's a whole cottage industry that has come up to, to support the themed entertainment industry. Um, and there are so many really cool companies out there that even Imagineering, you know, contracts with and works with, um, a lot of people wouldn't realize that, but, um, or other theme parks, you know, if, if you know, Universal's got their own version of, of Imagineering called Universal Creative. That's right. Um, there's uh, companies that design dark rides. Uh, Sally Rides uh, is, is one of them. So, so there are all kinds of um, dynamic attractions is a huge company um, that uh, really kind of made their name because they do very complex engineering of ride systems um, like the Flying Theater, which Soarin' is based off of, um, things like that. So there are a lot of amazing companies out there. And, you know, if someone is interested in being an Imagineer, um, I would say don't limit yourself to just, you know, focusing on I want to be an Imagineer, but think of it more of I want to get into themed entertainment because you can have an amazing, wonderful, interesting career working for any of a number of these other companies out there. Um, and if you want to, to kind of start doing a little homework to, to see who some of them are, um, there are two organizations. One of them is called IAPA, um, I-A-A-P-A, which is the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. Um, this would have been their uh, week of, of having their big conference That's here right. in Atlanta, which is amazing. Um, but they have a website. So if you go to, I think it's either iapa.org, maybe, or... I think I'm going to double, I'm going to double check it in the meantime, but I think yeah. it is iapa.org. Um, so you can go to their website yes. and snoop around there and, and find information. You can also go to TEA, which is another one, TEA, um, which is the Themed Entertainment Association. And both of those, um, they also have job boards on there too. So they're, they, they post uh, positions within the industry um, and, and you can look at those. Definitely would, would recommend checking it out. It, I'll make sure to post the, post the links into the, uh, the episode too. But I think that, to be honest, is probably one of the best pieces of advice I've, I've, uh, <laughs> I've yeah. solicited on the show before for aspiring Imagineers. Don't, uh, don't limit yourself. Um, cause it's true. There are, there are amazing companies and, um, I don't know why I keep going back to my conversation with Bob Gurr, but when I spoke to Bob Gurr, he, uh, you know, he talked about all the incredible, yeah. uh, themed attractions that well, he's able to come across that are, you know, outside the US too, but just, yeah. you know, outside of Disney, there's amazing things happening at Disney, but amazing things happening um, yeah. outside of Disney too. Yeah, as a consultant now, I mean, I haven't worked for, for Disney for a long time, but you know, I've always had like a downline relationship, but you know, a few years ago, I, I was, um, I, I created like some show story concepts for a theme park that was being developed in um, China um, you know, it's just a really fascinating project and, you know, they, they were developing five different lands. So I was coming up with, you know, a story for the entire park actually, and each of the lands and, um, 
you know, having to really kind of do a deep dive into the culture, not only of China and Asia, but in that specific region of China. Um, so, I mean, there are just so many cool opportunities out there. Um, uh, the Middle East, you know, seeing an explosion of, of um, theme parks. Um, so, you know, opportunities to travel, um, you know, uh, eventually, you know, to be well paid. Um, it's, and it's, it's just a really fun, amazing, interesting um, industry to work in. It certainly, uh, certainly is. So you brought up consulting, and I have to, of course, ask about the Brainstorm Institute and anything else yeah. you have going on. I know you write for WW Magazine, who uh, we've partnered with before. So what else yeah. do you have going on? Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, if any of you guys subscribe to WDW Magazine, um, I started a few months ago writing a monthly column called A Figment of My Imagineering. Um, <laughs> and, and I, uh, every month I, I write about, um, take a, a different topic and kind of approach it from an Imagineer's point of view, um, and give a little bit of insight. So, so that's kind of fun. Um, and the Brainstorm Institute, yeah, that's so that's the name of my um, my consulting practice now. Um, and uh, with that, you know, what I'm basically doing is taking all my years of experience in themed entertainment and education in new and emerging technologies and kind of mushing it all together and working with clients um, all over the world, basically, to um, – you know, help push really kind of unique initiatives out there. I'm working right now with a company. Um, see if I, I can't say a whole lot, but well, no, that's okay. Well, I guess <laughs> I can. Um, so we're developing a sleep aid for kids, um, but it's a, it's got amazing technology built into it. So um, it's about the size of a football. It's called Snorbel. It's in O R B L E. So if you go snorbel.com, you can actually learn about it. And we'll be doing a big uh, Kickstarter for it. But um, he's, uh, Snorbel's got like artificial intelligence built into it. So he'll actually like learn the child's name and can communicate. He's got an animated face. Um, uh, he's got a base that does like light projections onto the ceiling and stuff. He'll be able to read books. I mean, it, it's really an amazing, cool product. Um, so that's one thing. Um, working uh, I do a lot with like virtual reality and, and XR AR VR XR all that um, taking my background in education and doing uh, um, so creating some really cool immersive experiences within uh, VR um, and, and beyond that even looking at how we can uh, take some innovative approaches to um, kind of disrupt education as it is right now for, for students to make it a little bit more interesting and relevant for them. So uh, really interesting. It's, it's kind of fun now. You know, I'm just kind of having fun. And like I said, I do my tours in the parks. Um, I do, uh, if anyone wants to do a dinner with an Imagineer, I do that. You can go, uh, can I plug my website? Yeah, <laughs> so, please do. Plug um, anything you got. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Brainstorm Institute is for my consulting stuff, but for all my like Disney Imagineering stuff, um, I have a website that's WD with me, W D W I T H M E 
WD with me. Um, and if you go there, you can learn about my tours and book a tour with me um, or book a dinner with me if, you know, next time you come to the theme parks. Um, gosh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun right now. Yeah, I um well, uh, you know, next time I'm down there I already told you I'm going to I'm going to book a tour with you. <laughs> so we can go around the parks um whenever whenever I get the chance to get back down there. But uh no, definitely I'll, I'll plug I'll plug all of that. Um I guess a closing uh, closing question would be if you have uh any other advice or final thoughts for those who are especially those who are aspiring imagineers. Yeah, um you know, I mean, I'll kind of go back to, to what we were just saying before. Don't limit yourself and think that Imagineering is the only option for you. Um, themed entertainment is just such a cool, fun thing to work in. And, you know, if you, sometimes it's a lot easier, actually, to maybe get into one of these other companies, um, boutique companies that, that works in the industry. Um and then from there, you know, a lot of times you're going to be working side by side with Imagineering because they contract, like I said, all the time with these other companies. Um, so, so, you know, just kind of keep an open mind. Get really good at your craft. Um, you know, do something you love to do. Um, gosh, you know, it's uh, – that there are just so many pathways uh, – in, into it but um it, as a whole it, it's you know it, it's just been a really for me just, just just a really kind of a fun ride and um hopefully anyone out there that's open to kind of hop in and, and come along um you know keep your options open and, and do your homework and, and look out there um eventually it'll come to you if you've got the talent absolutely yeah. <clears throat> all great advice and um I'll make sure, as I mentioned, to, to plug everything you've got in the in the show notes and uh, remind listeners again to definitely check out WDW Magazine if you haven't subscribed already. I think yes. the promo code I, for Imagine Your Podcast is still good, so get at least 10% also, off the print. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll give one more plug. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I'm also, for, for the past couple of months, I've been um, promoting a, uh, a coffee roaster out there, a little boutique coffee roaster called Expedition. Um, roasters yes roasters they are great all of their coffees are like um themed around uh your favorite theme park rides and attractions can i say i I think i can say that i think so um so so it's really kind of fun um they probably have like i don't know 15 different 20 different flavors and one of the things that i do is so they've got like um, Disney artists that do like the artwork for the bags for the coffee bags, right? And and they've asked me to start writing some of the blurbs on the back. There's like fun little copy on on the back of each coffee packet um, that that goes with the theme. So one of the uh, roasters, check them out. Good one coffee. Of, they are really <laughs> good. I've, I've had several of them. The redhead rum is my favorite. Yeah, uh, I say one of the um, active. Uh, friends of the show, not even just contributor. Someone's been on the show a lot. Uh, Jen, who's on the show, is a huge Expedition Roasters fan. So if we ever go over, I have my full selection of Expedition Roasters coffees to enjoy. (laughs) Their hot chocolate is good too. I've had that too. Um, But 
Yeah, it's true. Um, but Brian, thanks so much for, for coming to the show, offering this, re- I think, really solid advice. It's um, really practical advice and some fun stories along the way. So I appreciate you yeah. taking the time. No, it's been great. Thank you. I, I really appreciated this. It was fun. with that, we close out episode 93 of the Imagineer podcast. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Imagineer, former Imagineer Brian Collins, who of course had so many incredible stories to share about his time at Walt Disney Imagineering. And it was great to also bring on somebody who had a different lens to provide about Walt Disney Imagineering. We've of course had designers and artists and uh, concept Imagineers on the show before, but never a show writer. And I think Brian has a lot of really practical advice. I hope that if you're listening and aspiring to be a Walt Disney Imagineer, you found this episode to be not only informational but inspiring and gives you an idea of how you can apply your skills in real life and to take those steps that you need to take in order to get a role at Walt Disney Imagineering or perhaps even elsewhere in a similar field. Of course, I want to turn the conversation over to you and hear what other questions you would ask Brian. I'll try to pass along any that I can and perhaps get some responses, but you can send me your answers and feedback in many different ways. And I, of course, would encourage you to follow us on social media, which is probably the best way to reach out to me. You can follow Imagineer Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Imagineer Podcast, on Twitter at Imagineer News, and in our Facebook group, which is the Imagination, also called the Imagineer Podcast Disney Fan Community, to chat not just with me, but with other members of the Imagineer Podcast listener community about this topic and about all things Disney. If you don't already subscribe to the show, of course, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button, whether you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or any other podcast app, which will ensure that you are the first to know when new podcast episodes become available. And you can find links to all of our episodes and uh, the apps that we currently operate over at ImagineerPodcast.com. If you have any feedback for the show or ways that you want to, uh, you, you can offer to help to improve Imagineer Podcast, any ideas you might have or any questions, you can, of course, email me at ImagineerPodcast at gmail.com. Or uh, you can also, of course, reach out to me in a direct message on any of our social media channels. And of course, one of the best things you could do for the show is to leave us a rating and a review in the Apple Podcast Store. It does so much to help our podcast out. I want to thank all of you who have rated and reviewed the show in the past. We have a solid five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, which really, one, means the world to me, and two, just encourages me to keep going and to do whatever I can to make the show even better for all of you. So thanks to all of you who have rated and reviewed the show before. One of the best things you can do for the show is to share it, of course. You can also uh, share out this episode or any other episode of the show or any of our social media posts on whatever channel you prefer. Um, And of course, if you just 
talk about Imagine Your Podcast with your friends and family who love all things Disney. Probably one of the easiest ways to spread the magic and share the word about Imagine Your Podcast. If you would like to take your love of Imagine Your Podcast to the next level, definitely look into the Imagine Your Society, which is our Patreon group. You can find that over at patreon.com slash Imagineer podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, which is a way that you can help to support the show financially, help us pay for all of our show-related expenses, and in return, get exclusive perks, benefits, and rewards, starting at even just $1 a month. That's $12 a year. Uh, You get perks and benefits. Of course, the more you can contribute to the show, the more benefits you get with your membership, but examples include access to a private Facebook group, access to my close friends list on Instagram. We do monthly hangouts about once a month. I try to do even more if I can. Um, Virtual monthly hangouts, I should say. Uh, You get bonus podcast episodes, access to my podcast production notes, early access to every podcast episode. The list goes on and on. Of course, the, uh, the terms and conditions are subject to change, but you can learn all about the current offerings by, again, heading to patreon.com slash Imagineer Podcast, and I have a link in the show notes to that as well. If you are looking for the best Disney news out there, look into our partner, The Kingdom Insider, over at thekingdominsider.com or at The Kingdom Insider on any social media channel. You'll get all the latest news about all things Disney and uh, some great tips for ways to make the most of your next Disney vacation or how to bring the magic of Disney into your own home. So again, check out The Kingdom Insider at thekingdominsider.com. And speaking of making the most of your Disney vacations, the next time you are ready to book a trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Aulani, Adventures by Disney, or any other Disney destination, you'll want to look into our travel partner, Academy Travel and Mickey Vacations by Academy Travel. They are the number one travel agency for booking trips to Walt Disney World. They are diamond earmarked, which is recognized, an actual level of distinction that uh, Disney uses to recognize travel agencies, and diamond is the top tier, so that tells you that even Disney acknowledges what they do for their customers and guests, and they can help you to eliminate all the guesswork in planning a Disney vacation, which right now I know it seems very complicated. We have some great news and updates for things happening at the parks in 2021 and if you want to hear all the latest updates and uh, the ways that you can make the most of your Disney vacation even perhaps save money on a future Disney trip they have all that knowledge about uh, how you can plan your next Disney vacation and make the most of your Disney trip at no additional cost to you which is an incredible benefit so you can learn more and request a free quote no obligation by the way just by clicking on any of the travel links in the description of this podcast episode or you can head to imagineerpodcast.com click on the travel drop down select your destination fill out that form and they will get back to you as soon as possible last but not least i want to remind you as always to go after your hopes and your dreams and your goals whatever they might be. This is the last episode of 2020. We are starting a new chapter ahead 2021. I know that I have so many ambitious goals for this show. I'm going to make the most of the new year and do whatever I can to continue to provide you with the best uh, podcast entertainment in the space of all things Disney that I possibly can. Um, Of course, if there are any ways, again, that you would like to 
uh, suggest to improve the show or any future topics you'd like to hear, just let me know. But whatever your goals are, whatever makes you happiest, go after those goals. Don't let anything stop you. Uh, you know, don't make any excuses. Write down what those goals are. Say them out loud. Share them with friends and family. Have them keep you accountable for make taking that first step, second step, third step, all the way to reaching your goals and beyond. And remember, as always, that inspiring quote from Horizons. If you can dream it, you can do it. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you again in a future episode of the Imagineer Podcast.